0: Sometimes in life we overshoot, right? You go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I'm gonna do more and more and more of that because it feels good. And then you overshoot. You go, oh wait, nope, that's too much. I need to turn back around. And it's about finding that, that center, that middle, creating that beautiful picture. And sometimes we go, oh, that one's done. I'm gonna overlay a different one. And maybe that's the different parts of your life, but the center has to come together.
1: Welcome to Community Good, the podcast that shares powerful lessons to help you navigate the life you want. I'm your host, Marnie Andes. In this episode, you'll hear from Cheryl Gorentz, entrepreneur and author who over the course of her career has worked and consulted with several nonprofits, large corporations, and startups to help them align their mission, operations, and more. Yet some of her most cherished experiences have come out of the time, resources, and energy she's provided to organizations such as CASA, Denver Children's Home, and J-Town, where she was also the founding president. And how has she identified how important volunteering is to her life? As she shares in this episode, when you find yourself on what feels like the edges of your life, then you're likely too far from your real purpose, which is your prompting to switch directions and move back towards your center. And now, my conversation with Cheryl Gorinz. Well, thanks, Cheryl, so much for joining me. I, I am looking forward to this because I want to share the story of how we met, which I was just thinking back about it before coming here today. And we've known each other for almost 13 years. Has it been that long? Yes. Wow. And time flies. I know. <laughs> And the way we were introduced to one another is I was told by someone when I was working on my nonprofit, Project Aspire, which I started in 2006. And for people that don't know, Project Aspire was started to provide scholarships to women who were going to Colorado institutions who were Mm -hmm. seeking higher education degrees. So, you know, graduate degrees, uh, PhDs. And I had come to that place and starting in 2006 where it was like, okay, this, this can't just be like me, you know, asking people for some dollars and then I turn around and give it a scholarship, give a scholarship to somewhere. I needed to actually think like, am I going to make this turn into something? And mm-hmm. I remember when I said, well, I needed to apply for a 501c3 status and I needed to have a board, I think. And I don't even know all the other things that I don't know. And your, your name was the name of the person that I needed to talk to because of, because of your background. And well, it's just led to an awesome friendship it too. It
0: sure has. It's interesting though that you said you, you wanted to think about what it needed to turn into. I think that's the key step that leads people to major decisions and new connections and new experiences is knowing when you need to make a turn or turn something into something else. And you were really at a, at a really important turning point. And you took action. Um, and I was really glad I could be there for, for part of that.
1: Yeah. And you've, well, and I thank you because you've done that. Well, now over time, I've, I've come to learn how much you've done that with so many organizations. (laughs) I mean, you've, you had at one time you were, you've done consulting throughout your career. You've worked for organizations in a leadership Mm -hmm. capacity and you've done all of this. I mean, I mean, what even got you started down that path?
0: Well, interestingly enough, an eighth grade project, um, which was go interview somebody about what they did. And I chose my grandfather, my poppy, and he was a wage and salary consultant um, for the IMF and the World Bank. And he was telling me all about how he was consulting and every project was different. It was people and math and writing. And I was like, okay, that's me. That's what I wanna do. So starting in eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be a consultant. Didn't know exactly what kind, but I knew I wanted to be a consultant. And I chose to build a career based on helping people and organizations at those turning points. Um, It's not ever been for me about just growth of like dollars. It's been about what's your purpose and those points where you sort of feel yourself maybe needing to define it better or going off track and kind of that sensation of steering. And that's where I get involved. And usually people have elements that they know um, things that they see, they want to aim at, but the the it the what do I want it to be or wh- what is imp- what is the it that I want my life to be about isn't real clear, and I like helping create that clarity.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that was a lot of the work that we did together. It was almost like design sh- sessions. I would mm-hmm. describe it where it was, yeah. Who do you want to be? What does this organization want to be? What is it actually doing? So that yeah. you know who you're actually. Um, seeking to help support it how do you get people involved
0: and how do you create that alignment if you've got this vision of helping what are all the pieces Um, and how do you bring the people in once you've identified what you need then you go to where are the gaps and how do you find the people and resources to fill those gaps so that you get a real clear picture and everything's working together to help you meet your mission again whether it's personally or a nonprofit, which I've done a lot of work with, or organizations that have been my clients. That's that common thread. And when organizations and people can get clarity about where they're aiming, um, it all starts to come together.
1: See, this is where even the turning point in our relationship, the more I started to know about you, which was, again, when I was first introduced to you, it was... um, this woman that has a wealth of knowledge, business acumen, like she can help you like get your stuff together. I mean, that's really what it was. And it was like work with you. But, but then over time, what I learned was just how involved you are in the community. And I understand the project where this came from and you wanted yeah. to help people organize. Where has all that just want to volunteer and be out in the community, where's that come from?
0: Um, I was raised that way. I saw my parents constantly involved in organizations and helping people, um, in a wide variety of areas. And for me, that was just always part of what you do. Um, and I'm very proud. I've raised my kids that are that way. And my husband is that way. And I'm friends with people like you who are that way. Um, I just, Really believe that there's nothing better to feel good about yourself and the world than to go out and help others. I mean, everybody needs it in some way, right? Um, Sometimes it's, um, you know, I've been on, uh, my passion has always been working with kids who are in pretty difficult situations, mostly teens and young adults. I say kids, but most of them have had really hard childhoods. Um, And they're in situations through no fault of their own. And so I've searched out organizations that do a really good job um, of working with that population for my personal nonprofit activities for the most part. I've been on the board of Denver Children's Home for years and years, done a lot of fundraising. I just got involved with an organization called Dry Bones that works with teens and young adults who have experienced homelessness. Um, I'm involved with a program called The Realness Project that's working with people who are incarcerated and formally incarcerated. Usually there's a reason. Um, they don't have the support or the resources or the life lessons that help them make good choices. Um, but a lot of them want to learn how to make good choices, and I like to be involved in things like that. So that's been my personal um Kind of nonprofit focus and CASA where I've worked with directly. Because um, at various points in my life, I've tried to figure out what's my it? Where am I trying to aim? Um, and sometimes I get so caught up in the board development, which I love and I do a lot of, I still do a lot of that, um, and the running organizations that I get too far from my center. And I realized, nope, you need to pull back. You need to do something that is one-on-one and directly making a difference for people who need it. Um, And it's not entirely selfless. It's almost selfish because I get so much out of it. So I've also been involved in, like I said, in organizations like CASA, um, where I'm a court-appointed special advocate. And I um, help create stability and um, really create relationships with teens who are in the foster
1: care system can you talk about a specific i'd love to get into casa because i think i i hadn't heard about casa until until you until up i just talk incessantly right. about it well yeah. but it, it's yeah. it's a it's incredible the work that is done through casa but it really is but I so maybe set it up as to what is CASA? You've already talked just, I mean, a lot, a little about it right there, but what is CASA? What do they do? And then let's get into specifically, like, what have you been doing in CASA?
0: Oh boy. Okay. So CASA is a nationwide organization, court appointed special advocates of volunteers uh, that are appointed by the court. So we report to the court and we get put on a team of professionals who are assigned to a case of a kid, usually a dependency neglect case. So a kid whose custody is typically with the state, maybe they're with their parents, but there needs to be some oversight. Um, Generally speaking, in difficult situations through no fault of their own, the CASA's mission is to advocate for that child. So the CASA is working with uh, a caseworker, like a Department of Human Services caseworker, and a GAL or a lawyer for the child, all with the very best of intentions. Great people. They are working very hard for very little to help kids, but they're overloaded. They have dozens of cases. They maybe can see this kid once a month at a meeting where you have a kid sitting at a table with eight adults, everybody talking about the kid. CASAs really get to have a relationship. Our Our responsibility is to get to know that kid and their life experience of what they're in right now, make sure they're safe, help work towards stability, do some of the things that caseworkers and GALs can't. I mean, we still can't bring them into our lives. They're not our kids. We're not the foster parent, but we're we're stability. Some of these kids go through caseworker after caseworker after caseworker and lawyer after lawyer, again, through no fault of their own or the caseworker in GAL, the CASA sticks with the kid. We become the person who knows them. We become the person who celebrates birthdays with them, who takes pictures, who remembers. I've had a CASA kid say to me, you know, I've moved three times, and once upon a time in art class, I did a picture of Einstein. I wish I still had that. I said, Mm -hmm. Matt, I don't have that picture, and we'll never get that picture back, but I have a picture of that picture. I remember And these kids lose their history over time in many cases, and the CASA can help, at least my style of being a CASA, can help maintain that. So I've been able to help get kids back with family and out of foster care. I've been able to work with a case that we were pretty sure the the mother had Munchausen by proxy, and I was able to help get that kid to medical care when mom um, was not handling that appropriately. Um, I've ended up with some very special peep- people in my life because of CASA. Um, their case ended and I was able to get a little more involved with them and they basically ended up being my kids. Mm-hmm. So um, full spectrum, not every CASA does that, but this organization is incredible and has connected me with um, some very important people in my life and given me the opportunity to make a difference for... A lot of young people. One of whom is coming to my house this afternoon, which I'm very excited about.
1: Oh, I want to talk. I want. I definitely want to get into that more because I, I know to your point, that's not necessarily how every casa.
0: Um, yeah, they don't all stay in relationship touch.
1: Relationship happens exactly. Yeah. Um, but you said something just a while back that was even about that. In some cases, this is um, not just selflessness, but it's selfishness, and I want to get into that a little bit before Mm -hmm. talking specifically about some of the relationships you've built and obviously that you have kids out of this as well. Um, why, why do you say it that way? Cause I think it's at the heart of maybe part of what drives some of us to want to give our time or give our energy or give our finances Mm -hmm. into some of these organizations. But so talk, talk to me a little bit about, the selfishness of part of it. Yeah, yeah. when you get out of it.
0: Yeah, it's a really hard when people just gush over, oh my God, the things you've done for people. Um, because I do feel like it's so rewarding for me. Um, it is part of my life plan and my path. It's what I need. It makes me feel fulfilled to be able to help someone see their path. To take some of those consulting skills or those kind of the things we've done together and do it with someone whose parents maybe didn't know those life lessons themselves, who wasn't able to provide guidance, and to be a friend and a guide. And I feel proud of my ability to sense what somebody needs. So it makes me feel powerful and knowledgeable, and I like sharing my knowledge But most of all, there's just something that makes my heart happy about seeing a young person who is struggling start to succeed. Whether it's a call I just got, hey, my probation officer says I don't need to come back anymore because I've done so well and he knows I'm on path and that's great. Or a young person, being the person for that young person to call me and say, hey, I'm feeling like I'm floundering a bit. Can I can I come hang out with you and we can talk through things? Yeah, I'm helping them, but it's also honoring the things about myself that I feel good about and it gives me validation that I can offer something. Um, And it just, it feels good. You know, I I do write a lot of checks. You mentioned supporting Mm -hmm. organizations financially. That's really important. A lot of organizations need that to be able to do what they do to help other people. And so for me, for my volunteering, my giving back to the world, world in Judaism, we call it tikkun olam, helping to heal the world, I look for a combination of things. I want to be able to give money where I can to organizations like Project Our Town or Realness Project, or, or I'm sure I will support Dry Bones and some others um, in Casa um, because they need the money, and in-kind donations and board development to help them be better organizations or being on boards because I've been on a lot of boards as well. um, But then I also need that one-on-one. For me, that's really important. I don't even know how to tell you. It's just when I get too far from my center, my what is it that makes me happy, I generally find that it's because I'm not doing enough um, of that direct
1: volunteering and usually with young people. I think, you know, it's Maybe that's part of it because it's just sort of like the swirling question that I've thought about. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been asked questions before. I'm sure you have too. It's just sort of like, why do you give or why do you do those things that you do? And um, I don't know, it's like a, there's just this feeling of, I remember even when, you know, I would meet on an annual basis, the scholarship winners, because Mm -hmm. after a while when we were fundraising enough, I, I was a, I was a little bit more removed from the process. And rightfully so, because I wanted to make sure that it was fair, it was equitable, that we were Mm -hmm. really being thoughtful around where the scholarships went. certainly were. Right. Yeah. And so many times when we, when I would show up to the annual fundraiser and I would see these scholarship winners, um, even though not necessarily knowing every single about every single thing about them or having that sort of personal connection, it Mm -hmm. was just, just this feeling of like, I'm just so happy that I can provide them, that this organization can provide them the financial support, whatever's necessary to help them move forward. Right? Yeah,
0: I mean, it came in the form of a scholarship, Mm -hmm. but along with it, and you could tell because I was at some of those events and was amazed. I mean, your organization fit with my passion, helping young people get on their path and succeed on their path, right? And you could tell that while it was money, it was also you believed in them. The organization kept in touch with them. The mm-hmm. organization and the people cared about them and wanted to see them successful. That's what really matters, um, especially for young people who haven't had a lot of support in their lives um,
1: or a lot of equity in their lives. It's, right. it, it's, it's huge. Well, I think it's such a piece here too because I, you know, I've had guests on my show so far. We've talked about things like you know careers and how do you make changes or if you're thinking about doing something different and mm-hmm. i i'm wondering if there's some sort of intersection here which is you know for someone who's listening right now thinking that there's something maybe that there's something missing or something doesn't feel right and you've been yeah. talking about it as not being or being too far from your center
0: mm-hmm. I have. A, I actually use a model for that, and it's funny because it applies. It's applied in board development. It's applied in my business consulting. I even shared it with um, a young man at, at Dry Bones last night. Um, He had experienced homelessness as a teen, he'd had a CASA, he'd been in foster care, and he said something about he had figured out how to turn his life around. And I said, funny you should say that, Um, because that really fits with this model that I keep in my mind that helps me know when I need to turn. I don't know, when you were a kid, did you play with a spirograph?
1: Yes. Well, probably lost most of the little pieces and stuff. Well, right. So think about a spire graph. I (laughs) use
0: this as sort of a life model. Um, It's got a frame, right? Right. We all have a frame in our life. There are limits. There are boundaries. We operate within a frame. But then you have all these little round pieces, like little gears you can choose. Do you want the big gear? Do you want the the small gear, the weird shaped gear? We don't really know what picture it's going to create. And that's kind of our goal to create a pretty picture. Um, And depending on which gear you pick and which hole you put your pen in and you start moving it around the framework, it starts creating this design. And over time and in our lives and in our businesses and in our relationships, we start defining as we go out to the frame what that it is in the middle. We don't know whether it's going to be a circle or it's going to look like a flower or it's, you know, what the shape is going to be. But as we get to the outer boundary and near the frame, we start to feel like, oh my gosh, I need to turn. I need to make a turn. And you go back towards your center. Sometimes in life, we overshoot, right? You go, oh yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. I'm going to do more and more and more of that because it feels good. And then you overshoot. You go, oh wait, nope, that's too much. I need to turn back around. And it's about finding that, that center, that middle, creating that beautiful picture. And sometimes we go, oh, that one's done. I'm going to overlay a different one. And maybe that's the different parts of your life, but the center has to come together. And it is a feeling of when you've gone too far from what makes you comfortable or from what you're good at or for what is fulfilling to you or for what works in your life. And we have to make a turn and go back towards center. And so, Um, this, this man was, was kind of nodding and going like this. And he's talking about building a tattoo business. I said, so, you know, maybe one of these days, my kids would like me to get a tattoo. And if I do, it'll be a spirograph of some sort. And he's like, I'm going to draw something for you. And it was like, okay, that's That's my life coming together. That's my sign that this new organization is a good fit. And I've really been in a turning point in my life recently where I've made some choices about, um, you know, I, I had I had made some career choices, and I had been doing a lot more work stuff. And I'm like, wait, that's getting to be too much. I want to move back towards some nonprofit. And I had had some really intense nonprofit volunteer experiences, and so it kind of calmed down for a while. I was like, nope, I'm ready to get back into it. And I'm feeling like I'm I made a turn, and I'm headed more towards the middle now, which feels really
1: good. Yeah, well, that centerpiece. I mean, well yeah. t- 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 I mean, well, I should I got a tattoo it's been it's been over a year or two maybe it was interesting because the centerpiece was a really critical part of it and that there's all these different things where I may have thought I was closer to center or farther mm-hmm. away from center but there's I mean I love that analogy because I think it speaks to people
0: yeah and it's it is it's a feeling you can feel when you're off center and you're getting mm-hmm. too far and you can feel when you're like no nah, I need to turn things around um and I think it's really important that people understand that you may not know exactly what you're aiming at, just aim in that direction. And we do sometimes overshoot the mark. Okay, just know when you've overshot it too far and you need to turn back around and aim towards what feels like it's your it, it's your center. Mm. And it's a process. You know, I, I for one, don't want to stay in the middle all the time. I want to find new things and make changes, um, but I want to do it in that context yeah.
1: where it's it's not completely crazy it's kind of filling in the, the, that picture yeah I, I could see that I mean where some people say well if you're in the center that must be that calm place that must be um contentment that but the learning and the growing is when you're actually doing some of these big swoops outside of that trying yeah. to figure out what's the right fit
0: yeah and uh, sometimes it's comfortable and sometimes it's not oh, for but sure that's okay too <laughs> right
1: yeah where you're like what if that what the heck am I doing is this even yeah. even close so you said something around um that you'd been doing more work and you had been in, that's when you knew, but like, but what, I mean, what was really the point where you're like, I need to get back. I need to get back to the center because this is where I know then my next phase of where I need to be putting my energy is.
0: Yeah. A lot of it was about the choices I was making and saying no to things that really were important to me, um, for the wrong reasons and saying, Nope, I need to, reschedule and be able to do this. Um, uh, my my friends will understand if, no, I'm not available for that because I've got a young person who just made a call and, and I can help. Um, I need to make sure I can still do that. And I'm very fortunate. I know not everybody can do that. Um, you know, my my husband is always like, you know, you are not happy if you're not doing these things. Make sure you're doing these things. Partly because I think I nag him a lot if I'm not doing those things. Mm-hmm. Like I get a lot of signs in my life that um, I try really hard to listen to, and sometimes getting busier with the nonprofit, with the work that does fill me up in, in my heart and and use my skills. I'm I'm a better person. I can get more done at work and in my home life if I'm busy and doing the right things. It's mm-hmm. it's funny. Um having a busy full calendar definitely makes me a better person if it's the right things, right? And you know, I don't even know how to tell you. It's, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a consultant. I should be able to have this answer of what is the sign? It's not for me. It's it's really that feeling and that taking a step back and really looking at everything in the context and going, what's, what's aiming me at my, at my center and what's, what's in alignment and what's not mm-hmm. and billing, being willing to make the choices to regroup.
1: See, I think that's the place where get people get stuck is my perception. Cause I've, I've, um, I've had conversation with friends. I've, I've seen colleagues, I was just, you know, working with a client earlier this week, I was sharing with you briefly before Mm. we started recording. And I can see it in people where they're, they're just working nonstop. And, you know, I've talked about it and written about it too, where it's just sort of like this concept of, you have a lot of noise swirling around you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you really do have control over it. I think... If I think you some, used it. Well, right. But I think... So, so I think some people are like, when they're young in their career, that they don't have as much control over that. It's So it must be like this price that you pay over time, that mm-hmm. if you work in this way and you get to this place where you can take off the time or you can say no to things. But I, I'm i just not buying that anymore. Because I keep thinking like, there's, there's a message to our younger selves around, then what does that look like? And I feel mm-hmm. like there are people listening to this. I know there's going to be people listening to this that are like, yeah, it's easy to say that. And I want to do those good things. It's not right. a lack of desire, right. but how do I fit it in? How do I how do, I, do, do it? I make the choices? Well, I think that is
0: part of, even if you're really busy, um, sometimes instead of not doing something, you need to do something, even if that doesn't necessarily feel like the right thing Um, Or find ways to overlap. Find ways to bring doing good things into your work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you don't have the flexibility. Your framework, you know, your Spirograph framework as a young person in an early stage of the career is not the same as mine. Um, More towards the end of my career, um, certainly. But you can build. You can do a small thing. Um, There's a great organization that uh, I'm really proud to be part of called Project Our town Um, that really understands that and offers a variety of different volunteer opportunities. If all you've got is one or two hours on a weekend and you don't want to go do the legwork and find an organization where you can volunteer or you can't make a commitment on a regular basis, but you know that doing something good for the community, community good, Mm -hmm. is going to make you feel better, so it's selfish as well as selfless to go help others, they offer a variety of things where you can just drop in, help out, um, whether it's making emergency bags for people who are living on the street or um, school back, filling up school backpacks with school supplies. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to bring the supplies. You show up and you assemble backpacks that are going to kids who are in facility schools or um, packing bean soup for other nonprofits that feed the hungry. They do the legwork so you can show up and put in a few hours that takes no planning, no money, nothing but your time and your good intentions. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. If you want to get more involved, you can. They're actually how I found some of the other organizations that I've been involved in because they ne- they do the networking with other nonprofits. So if I don't have the time to do it, they've done it for me. Right. So there are ways. Um, but it makes me also think of you know, that discomfort moment of using it and how, how important it is, especially I wish I told my, had someone tell my younger self, and I'm kind of proud. I think I've told my, the young people in my life, um, use that feeling. Sometimes we don't know what it is, but we know what it isn't. And if you can define what it isn't, you do know, know, know more about what it really is. It, it's helping you turn towards that center part of your, your puzzle. Um, also kind of thought of that as kind of the quantum physics of life planning, um, you know, looking at very small things. You can't really, you don't, you can't, in, you can't um, investigate what it is because if you do, you're going to affect it. But sometimes you can figure out what it is by looking at what is around it Yeah. and knowing, well, is that close to it or is that not it? Yeah. One That's of the an many, okay thing too.
1: One of the many reasons I love you is your analytical brain. <laughs> you yeah. Your... I always try to figure that in. <laughs> Well, it's always like, well, I mean, it's just a different approach because you have to I mean, if you can have somebody share I mean, that's part of the reason why I even wanted to have this podcast is that you have different you have different ideas, you have different opinions, have different ways people think about things. Yeah. And so the lesson lessons that we're sharing in community good can be lessons that you've heard maybe throughout your life, but it's from your perspective right. of what that lesson is, right?
0: Right. Um you know, that's that's I think the theme that runs through My consulting and my kind of my vision on life and um, kind of the spirograph and quantum physics of life planning is you know, we all have information and it's, you know, what do I know? What do I need to know? And how am I going to get it? Mm -hmm. And that works at any stage of life. What do I know? What do I need to know? And how am I going to get it? Some people call that a gap analysis and then strategic planning, but it's really simple. And we can do it with with when we're in that place of I'm comfortable, I'm at my best, and we can do it at that place where I'm uncomfortable, I'm not at my best, something's missing, the same questions work.
1: Yeah, I actually think that that's a, a key point, what you were saying around this, that actually does relate to volunteerism, because um, I'll go back to the whole, I'm too busy, or I'm trying to chase a career, and I maybe don't have time mm-hmm. to do these things. I've often shared with people that the... The beauty of volunteering, whether you're giving your time or going in and, you know, volunteering, like you said, putting backpacks together or you're putting bags together or, you know you eventually want to sit on a board or you want to yeah. have experience being in committees think about networking yeah. for your
0: future that you can do right. that way. Yeah.
1: There's networking. There's, you know, maybe you're wanting to move up in management and you're in your, the company that you're in or the role that you're in, but you're not getting that experience at work. Go get Go it. at get it a, it
0: a volunteer right. opportunity. Absolutely. There's so many organizations out there that have leadership opportunities. I think that's a great point, Marnie. Um, whether it's a board or a committee or a project, you can go find it. Mm-hmm. And yes, it can be a resume builder. It can turn into a career. I know a lot of people who've started out in nonprofits um, and turned it into a career, not even necessarily in nonprofits, but something they learned or people they met or a community they became
1: experienced in or a function that they, they learned, a skill. Yeah, it, it it all comes together. Yeah, you're making me think of the fact that, I mean, just even right now, it's like, the amount of connections that i have in my life because of volunteerism or nonprofit mm-hmm. work may outweigh oh, right yeah. it may outweigh the colleagues or other networking that i've had because of working for an organization oh me
0: too absolutely my my best
1: peeps are mm-hmm. from nonprofit related connections yeah. absolutely which is all that's another reason i mean I think there's so many things here where, I mean, we're talking about giving back and what that feeling sort of, you know, feels for the person themselves, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things. There's things that, there's skills that you could learn logistically because it makes you a better person or a professional. But the other thing is the life, the friendships that can be gained by just getting involved with these organizations. So true.
0: Yeah. And you're with, you're with good people when you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. I also really value the opportunity to meet people like you, but we have a lot of shared life experiences, mm-hmm. and, and um, I love being able to meet people in different um, walks of life with different experiences, and um, I learn from them as much as they learn from me. I don't know that they all realize that, but um, I think it just makes the world a better place when we expose ourselves to different people and experiences and get a different perspective. I think it helps us make better choices in life, in the community, in all different ways. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that selfishness that, yeah, it, it just it feels good and it does good. Actually, that's what Project Art is. Do good, feel good. That's Project Art Town's, okay. like, so, logo, um, and it's just so perfect.
1: Um, well, and that selfishness, I mean, I think that's the piece where – there's probably been more talk I think recently about around the importance of self self-care self care and being mm-hmm. really mindful of what you need as a person so I think you know in this case even though we're using that word I mean too many times it gets sort of that negative connotation applied to it but in this case it's it's good for that you need yes. this kind of connection yeah. with people with organizations something bigger than yourself.
0: Absolutely. I was explaining to a friend last night after I, I, w- I had this great conversation um, with somebody who's had a very difficult life experience. And I was like, God, I was just, I was so into it. It felt so good. I don't usually talk like that. He was talking. It was so much fun. And she looked at me and she goes, you got to be present for that hour. God, you're right. I had nothing else swirling in my head. I was not thinking about what time it was. I was in the moment. That's my kind of meditation. I am not very good at, you know, the true meditating. And I know a lot of people talk about self care of, you know, your breathing and your meditation mm. and you're focusing on yourself. That that I don't. I can't, I haven't figured out how to get there. But that hour that mm-hmm. that for me was was being present my my friend knew me right away she's like yeah that's right. that's what that was it was like yeah. oh my god that felt so good that was like I came out so relaxed and happy it was wonderful
1: well I right there. You just showed another example, because I think people need to hear that too. Of course, I've had Lisa Woods on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, We've talked great. about meditation. And I think that's a, a piece that you can get that feeling. You can get that sensation. You can get that self-care in other ways, not just
0: not yeah. just maybe the one way you've Agreed. been taught or the
1: one way someone's ta- yeah. talked to you about it.
0: Yeah. It's important. You just have to find the way that works for you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I want to... Yeah. Before we make some other transitions, I wanted to I wanted to just dig into one more place here because I know I think there's part part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I I wanted to sort of get into that part of like what is that feeling and why why does it matter to give beyond yourself? And I love how you've talked about that it's not just for all these other people that you've helped and you've done an incredible <laughs> amount. Um, But it's for you too. yeah. And so for that person that's still trying to figure out like how to make time for it, I wondered for you personally, what have you learned volunteering? Or if you were helping a board or whatnot, what did you learn that maybe helped you apply to other parts of like your business? Like logistically, what did you learn that maybe you didn't know before until you were working? But then I also want to just like hear like, what was something that was like I had no idea until I started volunteering that that thing existed. And maybe you can combine those or what, oh. take it as you want. But I just, oh. I wonder, yeah, it's like, what was question, the, like, what did I learn out of that?
0: Man, I think perspective. That we, sometimes we think we have the perspective of what the other person is experiencing or has experienced or how they'll perceive you or what you say or what your recommendations are. And you have to think, More broadly, Um, volunteering, especially with the teens and young adults, has really taught me that I sometimes assume I know what's going on. And I need to check myself on that. And I've used that a lot in consulting where I swoop in and I think I kind of know what's going on or I know what they need to do. Um, and I've learned that I need to check in more. I need to really be aware of the experiences and perspectives and needs of the people in the room, whether that's board development consulting for a nonprofit or business consulting. Um, and I think that's helped me in a lot of places in life. And and I'll I'll give you kind of a tangible example if you want one mm-hmm. from my recent CASA experiences, um, where um, my, usually we only have one case at a time. I ended up with two because there are two boys who know each other from refugee camps. And they ended up in the same group home. And I was working with one and he said to the other one, you should get her to be your CASA too. And how could I say no to that? So these are boys who um, are unaccompanied refugee minors from Afghanistan. So they and their families were at the airport When we Americans were pulling out of Mm -hmm. Afghanistan, out of Kabul, and they were trying to escape because they had, it's hard to describe it, you know, they had worked with the Americans and I always tell the boys, no, we were working with you, (laughs) it was your country. Um, When we pulled out, their families were at risk because they had been working with the Americans against the Taliban. They got separated from their families, their families are still there, boys are here. And so these boys, more than anything in the world, what's important to them is getting work, making money, and taking care of their families, because the Taliban, of course, will not let women work. Their sisters can't go out of the house or learn anything. Um, Their families are cold and hungry and desperate. So these boys want work. So the caseworker and the GAL, again, very well-intentioned, are like, well, Cheryl, can you help them do job applications? Sure, I'll help them do job applications. So every time, like, did you do job applications? Did you do job applications? I'm like, yes, we did job applications. Let me tell you what we also did, because job applications are not enough. I taught them what email is, because employers might email them to follow up on a job application, and they had no idea. Taught them what voicemail is, because employers may follow up on a, with, a, with a call. They don't know what that is either, um, Taught them what an application is and had to teach them what an address is because apparently in Afghanistan, they don't have addresses. So so yes, we are all in agreement. These boys need to fill out job applications and go apply for jobs. But there are all these other things that if I hadn't been able to really question and dig deep on what their life experience is and their perspective, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. We would have put in job applications and 15 employers could have called them, but they would never have known what to do past that. Right. So- drilling deep finding out more about perspective even if we're all lined up and going in the same direction doesn't mean we all have the same knowledge base or experience or ability
1: yeah that's a great reminder for me I mean I was even thinking about that as um I've been in and done other work is just like stay curious stay mm-hmm. curious don't make yeah. assumptions but what you've done for those two boys i mean i you oh, shared parts and pieces of the story that before it ended up being
0: my boys yes I, I do share them with their mom but i still think of them as my boys i know
1: and i know that that's not like you said at the beginning that's not that's not normal no and that's not necessarily no. what every casa how that sort yep, of definitely transitions
0: definitely not um but you know we've talked a lot about that feeling of when you're on track I mean, this was my first case. Um, I got assigned to in 2011, and I told Casa I wanted to work with teenage boys. I'd raised two boys of my own. Our house was the house all the boys hung out at. Very comfortable working with teenage boys, and I think most people aren't, um, unless you've had you two <laughs> <laughs> boys. Uh, right, right. I know you are, um, and I just felt you know those were cases that most people wouldn't know how to handle. And so I got this very complicated case of boys who'd been in the, in the system for a very long time, through no fault of their own, and it was complicated, three brothers. And so I had that case for like four and a half years, and they were generally in different places, and I was the only one who was able to let the brothers see each other. I was the only one able to help them see their mother, um, and did a lot of work with their mom too, who also had grown up in the system and had a difficult life. And mom was finally at the place where she could get the boys back. Um, And we were able to get the case closed after like five and a half years, which is very unusual. But these kids were pretty bonded with mom, um, even though they hadn't lived with her. And so I'd had these boys. I'd known them for a long time. They'd been in lots of different foster homes. But again, I was their source of continuity. Um, We had a lot of history. And so when the case closed... Because I was no longer formally their CASA, I was able to say, oh, okay, now we can hang out in a different way. Um, but then we started to get the calls of, haven't seen mom for a while, or we're hungry, can we come over and eat? And little by little, it became apparent that there were problems again. And and another case got started. And um, the family said to the new caseworker, you know, you can talk to Cheryl. You know, Cheryl's not officially CASA again, but... She's kind of part of the family at this point. And one thing led to another. And God bless my husband, Andy. Um, You know He knew where it was going. And he was the one, I mean, I'd been thinking it all along, but he looked at me one day and he said, we can't let those kids go back into foster care. Tell the the caseworker if that's going to happen to just bring them here. Mm -hmm. And of course, that is what happened. And we took them into our home. Um, I called my older boys and said, guess what? I'm pregnant with teenagers. And I'm, yeah.
1: so, so it's a way to tell right? your other son. They saw, they saw it coming too. Right. Um,
0: cause I really, you know, love these kids for a long time. And so they joined our family when they were 16 and 17 and we chose not to do foster care. I didn't want to get paid for taking care of them. I wanted the, the system out of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, And so they became part of the family. It was sort of like Andy and I both had stepkids at the same time, and we love them and adore them, and they're doing really well. Um, I would say that their ruler for success is different than the ruler for success for my Ph.D. chemist son, who is a policy advisor for the Senate in New Jersey, and my um, son who said he wanted to be in the music industry, and by God, he got there and is running concerts all over the country. Um, But these boys are doing so well, and they're just amazing, and they've just enriched our
1: lives, and I feel like that was part of what was supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, what you, I mean, that's just, even if somebody's, I mean, they're hearing this thinking, my God, the fact that you took that on, and what a commitment around all of it. I mean, that's what's so, I will say this, that, um, you know, I've been privy to these stories, and you've shared a lot over the years around what it took to do this. and
0: it was hard work. Well...
1: They were doing to hard work too.
0: They were working hard too. They were. But I yeah. think this
1: is where I find, and this is, you know, personality, you're, you're, you make things happen, you know, you've, you've like we already said, <laughs> you've got this analytical brain and these yeah. things are going to happen and I'm going to, you know, but just to, you just need to hear that, like, that is incredible what you've done. It Thank really you. is incredible, the well, work that you've done.
0: It was a lot of work in a lot of ways, but it was all heart-based work. Right. Um and when you believe in somebody and you see good in somebody and you get a chance to kind of be the hand behind their back just propping them up and helping them along. Um it's a really good feeling. And you know, it it sorry, I'm not, you know, it your name of your podcast is great, community good. I mean it's good for everybody when Mm -hmm. the when people in our community who can do good in the world and do well for themselves have the opportunity to do it it's just it makes it lifts everybody up and it's honestly it's been an honor that um these boys trusted me enough and consider me their auntie now and Mm -hmm. um the relationships are amazing I mean who doesn't need more good relationships in their life
1: I know just the work well I want to I we could talk about all kinds of um volunteerism and other organizations. And we'll, we'll do that before we close out today. But I always ask my guests, um, at the, at the end of the show, if there is a life lesson in general, doesn't have to be related to what we've just talked about today, but if there's a life lesson that Mm -hmm. you have been incredibly impacted by just to give you the space and time to share it with everyone.
0: Wow. I feel like in so many ways we've, we've talked about it, but I think really, it's that knowing to make that turn in your life to, to figure out what it is. I feel like, you know, from my grandfather telling me about what he did, he knew what he was doing. He saw in me the things that he knew would 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 resonate with his message. Um, and I've been very fortunate to be able to have the ability to to feel that time of making the turn and to be connected with people like you who've brought amazing nonprofits and opportunities in my life that I've been able to take advantage of.
1: Well, I love that this is where you're turning your energy. And that's yeah. what we're going to do is I'm going to give you the opportunity here to share um, where you think people could get involved or where are some places you'd really love people put their energy if they're oh. thinking right now. Yeah, i I'm inspired by this. I want to go get involved with an organization.
0: Thank you, because I, I do believe that that's such a, an important thing that that um, people should do. And and there are there are some good ways. Um, I would say n- number one probably Project Our Town is an organization that's sort of a hub that makes um, equal emphasis on good volunteer opportunities and um, helping other nonprofits in a variety of. Community. So whether you're interested in contributing to those who are experiencing homelessness or formerly incarcerated or um, mental health issues or Native Americans or feeding the hungry, um, kids in facility school, like, or if you are interested in helping them connect with a community that you want to serve but you don't quite know how to do it, they'll also help with that. So it's just a great, easy way. It's called Project Our town Easy to find online. Um, run by some amazing people who are very purposeful about making sure that their volunteers have great experiences at the same time that they're doing good. So I guess that would be the first place it's helped me even connect, even though I'm pretty connected in
1: the nonprofit world. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I really appreciate you not only sharing the stories, but just um, taking the time to inspire and remind Mm -hmm. all of us that you really just can make... A huge difference even doing small things and sort of building into that
0: absolutely and you just it's going to be good for you it's going to be good for the people you help and you never know where it's going to lead and that's a good thing thank you thank you